Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. All right. We took a break for one week from the book of Romans. Now we're jumping back in here. And I want to, uh, if you have not been with us throughout this, this process. All of these are, uh, services are videoed. They're also on audio, so you can use your app if you want to listen to them. If you're driving or um, if you're at home, you can watch them and catch up on anything that we do here. So Lord, we just give you this book as well that you've given to us, give it back to you. I ask that you would use the words of Paul to the church in Rome to help us to grow us, Holy Spirit, we just give you the freedom to work on us and to help us and to grow our understanding, to grow us in you, to help, help us to look like you, Lord, to be changed and not stay the same. Lord, we want to be changed to look like you more and more throughout all of our lives. We give you that permission, Holy Spirit, and thank you, God, for teaching us and showing us things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Romans 13. Let's start reading this. We're going to go uh, just verse by verse and, and then jump in the middle of some of these things too. So, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So, in verse or chapter 12, the previous chapter, Paul is talking about our relationships with one another, how we should treat one another in the body of Christ. He switches gears a little bit here and starts talking about all of you in the body of Christ, here is how we should relate to the governing authorities. And the nations, wherever you find yourself living, this is the right heart attitude to have in that nation, even though you're going to have different rulership and different kinds of forms of government and different people, some good, some bad, and all those things. But this is how you should live. Every person be subjection to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So Paul, you know, is, I think, addressing several things here. One, if you know the, some of the history of what had happened up until the time of Jesus and then to this moment when he's writing this letter, there had been many insurrections against Rome and uh, in that time period against the authority there. The emperor, you know, the Roman government had changed from kind of a Senate democratic type of government to more of a autocracy, a dictatorship just before Jesus was born. And so you had these dictators that were ruling Rome, and they did for a long time and caused a lot of problem, a lot of persecution, killing a lot of Christians. And um, Paul, though, is speaking into that bizarre, horrible government, saying still, as believers, you need to be subjection to the rules that they have to live by. And Jesus addressed that as well. You remember when he talked about paying taxes. When they said to Jesus, you know, should we, should we pay? And Jesus said, give me a coin. What's, what is it? Whose image is on the coin? They said, Caesar's. And he said, well, give to Caesar what Caesar's. Give to God the things that are God's. So give yourself to God and give your money to, to Caesar. So he did not disagree with, Jesus didn't, the laws of the land that he was living under at that time. He was saying, you need to do those, okay? Um, so as 
Paul is encouraging to live under the laws of the land, you also see moments where, and a good example is from Peter in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, where Peter says, when he's confronted by the, the authorities in telling him not to do something, not to preach, stop speaking in the name of Jesus, right? What does he say? It's better for me to what? Obey God rather than people. So that seems like it's contradictory to what Paul is saying here. And so I want to dive into that just a little bit because every country has different rules, laws, and yet there is one kingdom that you and I are a part of around the world that has to operate and has to live in all these different nations with all these different laws. So how do we do that? Um, I think one, one of the things is that we need to recognize that I'm going to live according to the laws of the land unless it violates Scripture or my conscience. So there are moments to actually not obey the laws of the land, but that doesn't have to do with traffic laws or smoking dope and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Although there are many states now that you can smoke dope illegally. So um, not that you should. Let me make that clear. Okay. But there are lots of varying laws. But the laws, like I should stay in my lane when I'm driving and not cross a solid line and that type of thing, I, I can't just avoid those and go, you know, well, I feel like I should be able to do that because I'm a free person. No, you need to obey the laws of those lands. Does not violate Scripture? And does it violate my conscience? Now, there are some, though, that might violate Scripture and might violate your conscience. In that case, you have to choose, just as Peter did, and said, I'm going to follow what God tells me to do and do what the Scripture says and not what people say. Now, there are typically consequences to doing that at the same time, right? You might get thrown in jail. You may get fined. Um, there could be a day, I'm thankful that it's not in this country, but as I've lived and traveled around the world, I've been in nations where it was illegal to do what we're doing right here, right now. And so you can violate that, but you also have to pay the consequences, perhaps. And that is, you know, I want to follow God and not people. And so you got people right now, and my heart just breaks for them, thinking about people in North Korea or Iran or many other nations where it's illegal to have a Bible, it's illegal to preach, it's illegal to be a worshiper of Jesus, it's illegal to gather like what we're doing right now. And I pray that in this nation that we are always afforded this freedom to do what we're doing right now. But there could be a moment where if the enemy has his way, or crazier things that are already happening happen, and some of our freedoms are going to be taken away, and it could be illegal. Well, what, we're going to have to make choices then of how we're going to conduct ourselves, <clears throat> what we stand up for, what we don't. Um, so we don't have a whole lot of those in this moment, though we may in the future. There are some of these right now. But overall, we need to obey the laws of the land. Do the things that we are told as far as law is concerned. But the king, again, the kingdom of heaven, God's law trumps, supersedes the laws of the land. But his laws are always 
based in love. So it's not going to hurt anybody. It's always going to be helpful. It's always going to be the best for someone, right? God's, God's laws. All right. In fact, in James, it's called the royal law. It says we're all supposed to live according to the royal law. You know what that one is? To love one another as much as you love yourself. That's the royal law. You're all royalty. We get to live by the royal law. So if you love one another as much as you love yourself, then you're going to fulfill all the other laws. All right, verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Of course, this is in most cases. Maybe not all the time, but most cases. Verse 4, for it is a minister of God to you for good. That's an odd thing, maybe, to hear. It's a minister of God for good. God will use a lot of different things that aren't necessarily Christian. Uh, One of the examples that I go back to over and over is when I think of King Nebuchadnezzar. God calls King Nebuchadnezzar his minister. Now think about that. He took over Jerusalem, destroyed, hooked the eyes out of the king, uh, enslaved basically a whole bunch of people for a while, but it was judgment. God used him for judgment, uh, though he wasn't necessarily a follower of God. He, well, he became one later. But interesting, God will use all kind of things for different purposes. Verse 3, for rulers are not a cause of fear for, excuse me, I already said that. Verse 4, for it is a minister of God to you for good, but if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. There is absolutely scriptural basis for, I would say, police and military, even right there in that verse, that there, those things are necessary at times. They're, they should be used for good. They're not always, but they should be used for good to take care of things and to deal with situations. God uses them to deal with situations where things are out of whack, where there's harm coming to other people. The Lord wants to use that, and he does. Verse 5, well, before I, I, I go there, this is interesting as well. As Paul is writing this to the church in Rome, you all know how Paul died? And Peter, both of them at the hands of Emperor Nero in Rome. They both, are their, their lives, it's going to cost their lives. They're writing this very thing, it is going to cost both of their lives. Verse 5, therefore it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. That conscience, I did a whole message on conscience a few years ago. It is a beautiful gift from God. It's basically the Holy Spirit speaking to you, using you, bringing conviction, showing you what is right and what's wrong. It's a wonderful thing. We never want to allow that conscience to become calloused. It needs to be sensitive because God uses it to show us what's wrong and what's right. Verse 6, for because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Of course, Jesus said that same thing in Matthew 22, 20 or similar. 
Verse 8, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Let's owe one another love. How's that? Let's owe one another love. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. You see this theme repeated over and over and over through the New Testament, starting with Jesus, about love fulfilling. Love fulfills the law. Love will do no harm if we prefer one another. Now, that's the way we are to live. Verse 11, do this knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than we believed. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. I love that. An empowered, a, a follower of Jesus has the power to lay aside the deeds of darkness. You're not bound by darkness anymore. You receive Jesus. His power is inside of you. Then it's a choice. Some believers still hang on to deeds of darkness. They don't have to. They're not supposed to. They can lay those aside. Lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, both of those things, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Immerse yourselves in Jesus and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Don't plan for your flesh to fail. Don't put yourself in situations and watch things that are going to cause bad things to happen. Don't do it. Make no provision for the lusts in our flesh. We need to awake from sleep, but not awaken fleshly desires. Now, in my life experience, I have met hundreds of people hundreds literally, who are not following Jesus now. And if you were to talk to them, many who used to come to this church, if you were to talk to them as to why they're not following Jesus now or why they don't attend church anymore, they're going to say one of several things, and one of them is often because of the hypocrites. Or I got hurt by a Christian, or I got hurt by the church. You'll hear that over and over and over a couple of things I want to mention related to that because this is important for, for each of us. We as followers of Jesus have an incredible privilege of knowing him, of being filled with him, of following him, of being freed by him, of getting to worship him. Incredible privilege when we receive him. But we're not just followers. Whether you realize it or not, for each one of us, when you received Jesus, you immediately became something else. You became a child of God, yes, but you also became an ambassador for Christ. Isn't that interesting? We don't just receive something and become something. Yes, we, that's part. But instantly, you are now a follower of Jesus and you represent him. Whether you wanted to or not. Whether you signed up for that or not, 
in your mind, you suddenly now, as a follower of Jesus, you represent him. And so people are watching. So the God that people get to see is you. Because we're the visible ones. He's invisible, lives on the inside of us. And people are watching. And there's a responsibility that comes along with the privilege of knowing him. And it's a responsibility of representing him. And we don't always do that very well. And people get offended and hurt and wounded and all those things, and they can go away. And it may, and I'm not saying that they, that it's all our fault in the, the body of Christ. They have their own responsibility. They should not be turned away from God because of the behavior of a person, right? But there is something for the world, for the Jews. You know, think of the Jewish people. One of the reasons why God has allowed all these Gentiles in, as we've been reading in Romans, is to make the Jews jealous. So they would see the representatives of Jesus and have a jealousy arise on the inside of them going, no, we should have that. It's because we are representatives of the king. And so we, as believers, as followers of Jesus, want to live in such a way, not just to please him, though yes, to please him more above everything else but also recognizing that we are like big brothers and sisters and we have little brothers and sisters out there and they're watching us. So my life is speaking. My life is communicating. The decisions I make, how, what, how I treat people, the things I'm involved with sexually, all of the, I am communicating what God is like, whether right or wrongly. And people are watching. So there's a responsibility that we should carry in a great way. It's a privilege that I'm representing Jesus. I'm representing a kingdom that has no end, that cannot be shaken. So I want to live in a way that walks. I want to walk in a way that's worthy of, of this gift that I've been given of salvation. And yet at the same time, we also need to not get offended and be like those who go away, who find a reason to say, well, they're just a bunch of hypocrites, or I didn't get my way, or something didn't happen, so I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. And I'm ignoring God. If that's what God is like, then I'm doing this. We have to be able to be mature and be able to separate how people behave with how God is. Right? We have to be able to do that and say, no, as a mature believer, when other believers are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, they should be representing God, but I be, need to be able to divide and, and be able to separate the good from the vile and say, no, that's not how God is. They're just misbehaving. They're not representing well. That's okay. I forgive them. But I'm not going to lose my faith or abandon or jettison all my belief and my church because of how someone behaves. That would be insanity. And it happens every day. Every day. It is hard not to find someone. You guys, every single person in here have met multiple people who used to be churchgoers, used to be followers of Jesus, or used to be united in church. And they will say one of those three things that I mentioned probably as to why they're no longer involved. Lord, help them. We need to pray for them. Lord, would you open their eyes? Would you free them from their bitterness, from any fence, and help them get realigned with you? 
Help them get realigned with you, Lord. Okay. Let's go to Romans 14. Verse 1. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, still speaking to this mixed Jewish-Gentile church, except the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. <laughs> That's an interesting one. You remember that scripture? Accept someone who's weak in the faith, but don't just accept them so you can pass judgment on their opinions. Now, here's another thing. If you've um, been alive then you'll recognize that every person has hundreds of opinions. Isn't that true? Goodness sakes, everybody has a lot of opinions about every single thing there is to have. There are some that think the walls in here should be an entirely different color. To I should be wearing something different. To I should be speaking in a different way. Everyone has opinions about every single thing. And they're not all from God. <laughs> they are not, right? My personal opinions are not always God's way of thinking. That's important to understand. And it's also a humility that I don't, I don't have the mind of Christ completely where I have every one of my opinions is his yet. I want to get there, but I'm not there yet. And, and no one that I know is. So Paul is speaking here in how we treat one another within the body, within the fellowship here. If they're weak in their faith, maybe they're a newer believer, a newer follower of Jesus, don't pass judgment on their opinions. You need to have patience and grace with them, recognizing they'll, they'll keep growing. Their opinions will change a little bit. It's okay. So have some grace with those people, and regardless of what it is, from all the things I mentioned to a thousand other things, from political to style of worship to on and on and on. Verse 2, one person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. Hot topic here. Paul is suggesting, and I think, again, speaking to a Jewish Gentile mixed culture, the Gentiles are going to eat pork for one thing. They're just to use one example there. The Jews are not going to do that, and they're going to have a lot of other dietary laws that have been passed down for generation and generation. So I think Paul is speaking specifically probably to those issues um, in saying, Basically, the experience that Peter had with the revelation coming down from heaven in Acts chapter 10, that God is not calling these animals unclean any longer. There is freedom, and we still have to have faith. And as we have great faith, that can help. Now, I think there's also wisdom that needs in there. I don't need to be eating 10 pounds of pork rinds every day, right? There's just, it's just wisdom that comes along with freedom. There are good things to eat and better things to eat and worse things to eat, right? Just from a health perspective. And those things are important. But again, the kind of the, the 
crux or the heart of what he's going after here is that there are several people, and I still have several that I know, that they are holding to, I would say, the dietary laws found in the Torah and believing that if you violate those, then you are not pleasing to God in any way. And you should be ashamed of yourself, right? So there are those type of things. And Paul, is he was very clear about that in other books of the Bible as well. That is not what this is about. It's not about what you eat that is pleasing to God. It's about, have you received the righteousness of Jesus by faith? That's pleasing to God. Let's use wisdom in what we eat, but we're not going to judge other people based on certain things. Okay, verse 3, the one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. We are all responsible individually with us and the Lord in what we put in our body. And we're not supposed to judge each other unless it's specifically written in the Scriptures to not do something, then there's freedom to do things led by the Spirit and wisdom and health and all of those things. For God has accepted him. Verse 4, who are you to judge the servant of one other? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another. This is similar to food, especially, again, to the audience he's speaking to. The Jewish customs are going to have a lot of special holy days, right? The Gentiles are going to have some of their own as he's talking here. One person regards one day above another. This day is much better than another day. Other regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. And again, God is not pleased by us holding one day above another. He's pleased by our faith in Jesus, right? You can hold one day as special, celebrate feasts, celebrate certain holidays, have a all. But let's not use that as my way of being pleasing to God, because that's not what does it. And that's, again, what he's, the crux of what he's going after there. And, you know, Sabbath would be one of those big ones as well, where Jesus has become our Sabbath. He's become our holiday. That's an amazing thing, which we could spend a lot of time on that, but that is throughout the New Testament, the power of what Jesus has done for us, that we can celebrate the feasts, we can celebrate certain holidays, but we're not getting our approval from God by doing that. All right, we're tracking with me? Oh, all right. Verse 6, he who observes the day observes it for the Lord. He who eats does so for the Lord, both of these things. For he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. All that I do, every day, I'm giving to him. Every day is special because I'm living for the Lord and to him. Or if we die, or if we live, we live for the Lord. Verse 8, if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. Let's say that together. We are the Lord's. You are the Lord's. I am the Lord's. We are his. We're in his family. We're owned by him. He purchased us. For to this end, Christ died and lived again 
that he might be Lord, both of the dead and the living. How about that? Jesus is Lord in every realm, the dead realm, the living realm. Verse 10, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. The point here for these various verses have to do with not judging each other. I mean, that's very clear. Don't judge one another. Let's let each other live to God in him, and let's not judge their opinions. Let's not smack them around on the inside because of how they do certain things. Let's let them live because I have to stand before God myself with all my opinions. Right? So let's not judge each other. Let's do the opposite. Let's build one another up. Let's equip one another. Let's edify one another. Let's prefer each other, as the scripture says, is more important than myself. All right, I have no idea where I am. Which verse? 10, 11, 10. Yes, thank you. For it is written, verse 11, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Every single one of us will give an account to God. You know what? It'll be not the time to blame someone else for anything. When we stand before God, do you realize that? You can't blame anyone else and you cannot hang on the coattails of anyone else either. Well, they believed and I like them. That doesn't work either. We stand before God individually, giving an account for our, our opinions, what we believe, our faith, what we've done with our life, how we've behaved, how we represent him in the earth. During our time here, how do we represent him? Therefore, let us not judge, be critical or condemning of one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way, which he's calling judgment. When you judge someone, you're critical of someone and how they're living versus how you're living, that could be a stumbling block for them. And we're not to put stumbling blocks in front of other people. For I know that I am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. I watched this... Um, a friend of mine, he's passed away now, but I watched, I was in a meeting with several leaders and um, I was enjoying this food. We were at a restaurant and I noticed the leader across the way, he wasn't eating anything. And I was like, uh, are you fasting? He said, no, he was real. He didn't, want to, he didn't want any attention. And what I learned was there was a, one person in the group who was fasting. And to honor the man who was fasting, he decided to fast. And I thought, oh boy, that's a higher level than I'm used to living. I don't know that I would have done that, but he was honoring the other person. And you can do that if you um, feel the freedom that you can have a little alcohol, yet you're at a table with someone and you know they don't drink at all, it probably is best to not drink because you don't want to in any way cause a stumbling block for them. That's a, a great way to live, right? You can do that with certain kinds of meats or you know, whatever. It's because we're preferring each other. We're not flaunting my freedom. This is what I get to do. Too bad you're not as free as me. 
You know, that's, that is not the spirit in which we're supposed to be living, right? But preferring each other. 16, therefore do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Isn't that great? The kingdom of God has nothing to do with food that you stick in your mouth. But it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. This is what the kingdom is about, is righteousness, which we get from Jesus, peace and joy, which we get from the Spirit, in Him. Verse 18, for he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God. Here's how you're acceptable to God. Serving God this way, preferring each other, loving one another. Not by what holiday you celebrate or what food you don't eat. In this way, he serves Christ, is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. I'm looking for something that builds you, not that proclaims my freedom, that builds you up. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. He spends a lot of time on this, so clearly this was an issue. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. And happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he is eating not from faith. His eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. How about that? Whatever is not from faith is sin. Because it's sin to them. Even if it's not written as sin in the scriptures, it is to them. So we want to live by faith, knowing what the word says, knowing how we're supposed to behave, but still it takes faith to live this way. And it's faith that pleases God. My faith in Jesus, faith in what he's shown me. And so I'm going to live this way. That's a pleasing thing to him. Do all from faith. And let's not criticize or judge each other. That sounds like a great way to live. Lord, we just want to say thank you for our brothers and sisters in this room, those who aren't here, your entire kingdom of people around the planet. And Lord, uh, just as we've been reading here, Lord, to any and every degree that we have judged each other, judged another group, judged another person, individual, or as a group, Lord, and how they do things, what they do and don't do. Lord, would you just forgive us? Cleanse me, forgive me, Lord, for doing the same. Wash us clean. We don't want to have any judgment, Lord. And Lord, help us to have patience for those who are weak in faith, but growing. Help us to have your heart toward every single person. And Lord, help, help us to see how to edify and bless and build up those around us, to look for things to edify, to look for ways to encourage. Lord, you even promised us too that from Isaiah 35, as we would encourage, as we would release encouragement, you would bring healing, you'd bring hope, you'd bring restoration, you'd bring joy. And I ask that you would do that, Lord, for each one of us as we 
look to bless each other and to look at one another and prefer each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.